back to equity tutors. Today's lesson we are going to start the module on homeostasis and this will go on for several lessons but today's lesson I'm just going to go over the basic concepts of homeostasis, what it is, the different feedback loops and how it is controlled within the body and then in the next few lessons we will be learning some specific examples of homeostasis and the systems that are involved in those. Okay so let's start the lesson by looking at what exactly homeostasis is. So in organisms we need the internal conditions to remain relatively constant so this allows for the optimal performance of things like enzymes. So in order to keep the internal conditions of an organism constant the body has several different ways that it can regulate this. So the definition of homeostasis is the maintenance of a constant internal environment. So although the outside environment might change the internal environment of the organism remains pretty constant. So think about it, our bodies remain at 37 degrees internally, whether we are in the Arctic or if we're in the Sahara. Obviously, at some point, the environment can be too much for the body, but in general, the body is able to compensate for changing the environment really well to keep the body at the right conditions for everything to function properly. So the definition that you need to remember for homeostasis is homeostasis is the maintenance of a constant internal environment. So the way that homeostasis is performed is that there needs to be information transferred between different parts of the body because there has to be something that senses the change and then something that reacts to bring that change back to normal. So there are two main ways that the body uses to do this kind of communication and this is via the nervous system and the endocrine system so we are going to go back over exactly how these are involved and go into more detail on these later in the lesson but in general the process of homeostasis is there is a change in an internal environment so outside of the range that we want so it can either get to go above or below the ideal range and then this change is sensed that information then goes to a organ that can then react to counteract that change and bring the conditions back to normal. So I'm just going to go over exactly what is in the cycle of homeostasis. So this applies to anything that is being regulated by homeostasis. The exact parts in each part of this cycle will vary depending on what you're talking about, but the general steps are the same. So initially a change is detected by a receptor or a sensor. This input information is then sent to a control centre and this can be done either via the endocrine system or via the nervous system but I will go into more detail on that uh, a little bit later in the lesson and then once it's reached the control centre then an output is sent to the effector so the effector then brings about a change to counteract the initial imbalance that the receptor detected so the effector brings back the variable to the correct range that it should be in. 
So if I give a very quick example, this could be for temperature. So for example, if receptors in your skin detect that it is getting too hot, then this information could be sent to the brain, which is part of the nervous system. This could then send a signal to your blood vessels and sweat glands in the skin to cause them to vasodilate, so to for the blood vessels to expand and for your sweat glands to become more active. So this can help release heat from the body to bring your body temperature back down to normal and stop it getting too hot. So you can see that each example of homeostasis will have a receptor or sensor, the control center, and then the effector. So that's really important to remember going on throughout the lesson today. So as I said, there are two ways in which homeostasis is controlled. So this can be via the nervous system or the endocrine system. So we are going to talk about the nervous system first. So this coordination system is made up of the central nervous system, which is the brain and the spinal cord, and the peripheral nervous system, which is all of the other nerves within the body. So we are going to talk more about the nervous system in subsequent lessons, but I will give a bit of an overview today so that you know enough to kind of understand the concepts of homeostasis. The nervous system is made up of the central nervous system and the peripheral nervous system. Now, the peripheral nervous system is made up of nerves which are bundles of things called neurons. Now neurons are long cells that can carry electrical impulses so they are connected to the central nervous system and signals from your brain or spinal cord travel down the nerves and they end at an effector so this can be things like your sweat glands or your muscle and then they can bring about a change. So neurons can coordinate the activity of receptors and also effectors so they can both take information from a receptor to the central nervous system and they can also take information from the central nervous system back out to a effector so for example if you put your hand in fire a nerve will send that signal to your central nervous system that will say it needs to bring your hand away from the heat source so it will send another signal back down a different nerve to your hand to make you move your hand away. So that is what the nervous system is. So this is one way in which homeostasis can be brought about. This is a coordination system that can be involved in that so signals can move through the nervous system to bring about changes to bring the body back into the right range. A very important thing to remember about the nervous system is that the responses are very rapid. So the nerves fire these electrical signals very quickly, so the response is really quick. So if you think about if you've touched something hot, you don't even realise it's hot before you've moved your hand away. So that's because these nerves fire really quickly and the information gets from one receptor to the central nervous system back to the effector really quickly. The other coordination system that we're going to talk about today is the endocrine system. We're going to talk um, a bit more about the endocrine system in this module as we go into specific examples in later lessons on how homeostasis is brought about in things like regulating blood glucose and regulating the water potential of our blood. But for today, I'm just going to go over the broad principles of the endocrine system. 
So as I said before, the nervous system works by sending electrical signals along nerves. The endocrine system works by sending chemical signals around the body. These chemical signals are called hormones and hormones are released into the blood and can carry information from one area to another. So these hormones are released by endocrine glands and endocrine glands make up in the whole organism the endocrine system so all the glands together make up the endocrine system we have several glands within our body and these are things like the pancreas the adrenal gland the pituitary gland the thyroid gland things like this so the hormones are released by these glands and then they can travel in the blood to bind to receptors on specific target organs so the organ must have the correct receptors to respond to these hormones but if it does and it receives these signals then that can cause a change in the function of that organ so unlike the nervous system the endocrine system is much slower so hormones travel in the blood and they take a much longer time to cause an effect. So therefore they're used to control functions that don't need an instant response. It would be no good for the endocrine system to be in control of moving your hand away from the fire because by the time that the signal had been released and your hand had received that signal, your hand would already be burnt. So things that need a very fast response are done via the nervous system and things that can be done on a slower time are done by the endocrine system. So as I said at the beginning, homeostasis is really important for an organism to function properly. So I'm just going to go over some examples of things that homeostasis is involved in. So one of those things is the maintenance of the correct temperature in the body. So as we know from one of the first modules in AS level, enzymes are really important for many processes within the body and they have an optimal temperature that they work at. If it's too cold they won't perform optimally because there won't be enough energy in the system and if the temperature gets too hot these enzymes can denature and then they won't work at all. So it's really important for the body to be kept within strict limits for the temperature so that the enzymes can function properly. Similarly the pH of the body. So the pH is also important for enzyme function so there needs to be a strict limit on how the pH is maintained as outside of these limits it will result in the enzymes being denatured and again for the whole organism to function properly we need to maintain blood glucose levels and this is because as you know we need glucose for respiration so there needs to be enough glucose in the blood to allow respiration in all the cells that need to undergo respiration but if there is too much then that will make the water potential of the blood very low and that will cause water to leave cells to go into the blood and can cause um, a lot of dysregulation in the body so blood glucose levels also need to be maintained very tightly in order for the organism to perform to its maximal potential. Okay, so now we are going to go on to talk about feedback loops. So feedback loops are the way in which the homeostasis is maintained within the body. So a feedback loop is basically composed of the sections that I talked about earlier. So there is a receptor or sensor, there is a, a coordination or control system, which can be either the nervous system or the endocrine glands, and then 
an effector, which can be a gland or a muscle, something like that, that can cause the response. So in a negative feedback loop, the loop works to decrease the effect of the original stimulus. So either the stimulus says this has got too hot or this has got too cold and the negative feedback loop goes through and the effector basically counteracts that initial change that was detected. So it brings it back completely to the normal level. Okay, we're now going to go over another example of a negative feedback loop so that we can really understand what the sensor is, what the coordination system is, and then what the effector is. Because in your exams, you could be given an example and be asked to detail how that is used in a negative feedback loop. So an example would be if you get too cold. So imagine you are out in the snow, your hypothalamus, which is a sensor in your brain would sense that you are too cold and this would send a signal via the nervous system which would send a signal to the muscles in your arms and this is the effector and that would then stimulate the skeletal muscles to contract and this would cause shivering which can generate heat to bring your body temperature back up to the normal level. So in this scenario the sensor is in the hypothalamus, the coordination system is the nervous system and then the effector is the skeletal muscle which contracts to cause shivering to increase your temperature. So you can see that this is a negative feedback loop because what has happened is there has been a change and the loop has brought about an effect that has brought the change back into the normal range. So it's really keeping it in the level that we want it to be in. The other type of feedback loop that we can have is a positive feedback loop. So a positive feedback loop actually amplifies the initial change. So a change is detected and instead of bringing that back into the normal range, the loop increases that difference. So an example of this is childbirth. So in childbirth, stretching of the uterus is detected and this causes contractions which further cause stretching of the walls, which continues until birth occurs. Another example is lactation. So once a baby is feeding, that stimulus will make more milk be produced, which will cause the baby to feed more, which will cause more milk to be produced. So you can see that it's getting further and further away from the original. So it's a loop that causes a bigger change than the original change. So the negative feedback loop brings things back to the normal uh, range that they, the body wants. The positive feedback loop really reinforces a change that has been detected. So it amplifies that change that is originally detected by a receptor. Again, the same things apply though. You have a receptor or sensor, you have the coordination system, and then you have the effector. So the components are the same, just what happens is slightly different. So with the negative feedback loop, you bring things back to normal. With the positive feedback loop, you can think of it adding. So you can think of any change is added on and it becomes bigger. Now, both of these loops are really important within homeostasis. And without these, nothing could function properly what we would have is we would get slightly hot and no change would be brought about and we would just continue to get hotter and hotter until our enzymes stop working, our body shuts down and we die. So things like homeostasis 
are really vital for survival. So in an exam, they really do like to talk about homeostasis. So be prepared to write an essay question on the principles of positive and negative feedback loops and be able to give examples of these. So in the next few lessons, we're going to go into more detail on these. So we're going to be talking about regulation of blood glucose levels and of the water potential of the blood. So you will have more examples to give after those. But just really get these concepts that we've talked about today into your head really well so that you are then ready to add on to this with these specific examples going forward. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, you can access additional content on our Patreon page by searching for Equity Tutors, where we have a second 30-minute lesson every week, plus monthly bonus content. You can also find us on most social media platforms. We will keep you updated on new content, and you can find us there by searching for Equity Tutors UK. Please like, share, subscribe and comment wherever you are listening. And if you're enjoying, please leave a review. Bye.